your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. Welcome to Autism One, a conversation of hope, brought to you by Enzymedica with host Terry Aranga. All comments, views, and opinions expressed are solely those of the host, guest, and callers. In the next hour, Terry and her guest illuminate how right now there is more reason than ever for individuals with autism spectrum disorders and their families to have the best hope for the brightest future. Through education and conversation, there is hope. Here's your host, Terry Aranga. And welcome to the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel and this program, Autism One, A Conversation of Hope, for Tuesday, August 12th. I'm Terry Aranga, and it's a special day, the release date of a very important, compelling, and meticulously researched book entitled Poisoned Prophets, The Toxic Assault on Our Children by Philip and Alice Shabakov. For this book, which highlights a host of childhood illnesses, toxic exposures, and obstructionism, Philip and Alice interviewed Mark and Elise Blacksall of the Autism Advocacy Community, who are in Poison Profits. We are pleased that Mark and Elise are also here. Thank you, Philip, Alice, Mark, and Elise, for joining us here today. Thank you, Terry. Thank you, Terry. Thank you, Terry. Let's start with Philip. Philip, you were the chief environmental correspondent for the New York Times for 14 years. Breaking away from that for a moment, at the recent Green Air Vaccines Rally in Washington, D.C., both Robert F. Kennedy Jr. and chemist Dr. Boyd Haley basically blasted the mainstream press for regurgitating what the CDC wanted the American public to believe and not doing original investigative reporting. What made you different? What did you see in your work? What made you able to have the courage and conviction to step outside the box? Uh, well, thank you for those nice words, Terry. Um, but without undue modesty, I don't think I was really very different. Uh, there are a lot of good reporters out there trying to do <clears throat> a, a good job. Um, and the problem is not, not the reporters, but the news organizations. Uh, there is a lot of pressures out there that uh, uh, keep the news organizations from allowing the reporters to do their jobs, uh, advertise or pressure. And also uh, that management uh, does not uh, really have the understanding of environmental issues that they should. As for why I did my work, I was doing it uh, just as I did all my work as my 32 years with the New York Times. I, I look for things that the public should know and try to accumulate all the facts and um, present them as honestly as I could uh, Without uh, without seeking the truth, uh, trying to be balanced, but not at the expense of the truth. Very good. And Alice, what did you see in your experience as a journalist and executive director of the National Consumers League that pointed your thoughts in this direction? There's, I I was working in the consumer field um, in the Ralph Nader days, and the organization that I was heading at the time was particularly focusing on. American food, uh, how it is produced, and what's inside it. So that was pretty eye-opening. It was that was 30 years ago, and we tried to talk about a better supply of organic food and try to get the supermarkets to open their food chain to organic foods. It was it was eye-opening and very difficult. And the other thing that Philip and I should say is that we noticed in our grandkids' generation. It's, it's just so obvious that there's something going on in America. 
actually in all developed countries, same statistics. And that really inspired us to take journalism and focus it on children's health. Good, very good. So you start this book, Poison Profits, The Toxic Assault on Our Children, with the story of the children in Dixon, Tennessee, being born with birth defects and the anguish and obstructionism that they and their families faced. So please tell us about this and whether this kind of situation is widespread. You did just mention that you're noticing a, a worldwide situation going on. Uh, Dixon is a small city uh, about 30 miles outside of Nashville. And we were told that um, in a two-year period, 19 children had been born with cleft palates and cleft lips. Um, in a town that size, there shouldn't have been that many, not uh, two at most. So we went down there and we talked to the parents about it and uh, and and their lawyers. And it turns out that um, a lot of industrial chemicals had been leaking into the groundwater from the county waste dump and also being buried by companies illegally around the county. And it had a lot of bad stuff, including the chemical that caused the dead, uh, the cancers in uh, Woburn, Massachusetts of uh, a civil action fame. And they got no, not, not much help from uh, public health organizations in the state or the federal government. Uh, they were accused of taking drugs or, or drinking too much. Nobody said it was the, the chemicals that were doing it. And um, as the, uh, we spoke to a state senator there who said, well, you know, when you go against business, you don't really have much luck uh, getting government to help you because they have the resources and, and ordinary people don't. And we found this uh, throughout the book, uh, throughout the country. Uh, there are all sorts of diseases, and I don't know if you want me to, give you some statistics now. Yes, certainly. Okay. Well, one out of every three American children suffers from either cancer, birth defects, asthma, or neurological diseases ranging from ADHD and learning disabilities to autism. And the number is growing rapidly. Uh, there's also a lot of trouble uh, among the American people in conceiving children. And when they do... Uh, According to the National Academy of Sciences, half of all pregnancies either fail to come to term or produce a less than healthy baby. Obviously, something is going very wrong. And we also found that this growth in childhood illness was paralleled by what we consider to be an explosion in the growth of industrial chemicals in the environment, up 750% since 1980. Uh, we offer a wealth of documentation on how those chemicals are related to the diseases, although there cannot be absolute proof in science that one is related to the other in most cases. Uh, you know, something you said reminded me of something that happens to, to families with autism. You know, uh, the, the powers that be will try to blame it on, on drinking or other things. Yes. Uh, uh, instead of looking at a smoking gun. Now, you mentioned Woburn, Massachusetts. Yes. Would you care to elaborate on that? Do you remember there, there was a wonderful book and a good movie uh, which talked about um, children in that small town in Woburn dying of leukemia. Um, and, again, there 
was way beyond any kind of statistic. Of course, no child, by the way, should be dying of leukemia. That should be an, an illness of the elderly. So, again, uh, the, the government tried to find out the cause, and it turned out there were, exactly like Dixon, dumps, um, chemicals being dumped into the water supply, and every time the somebody turned on one of the pumps to feed the town's residents, this, the terrible chemicals in the water came out of the taps. Uh, there was a follow-up study that found that the kids, the mothers, the kids who died first were kids of mothers who had drunk the most water, and the kids who went into remission were the children of mothers who had drunk the least water. Oh, my gosh. But still. Uh, but still. There was, nobody has said that there is definite proof that this, these chemicals cause those children to die. Now, is this the part of your book that discusses GE and Monsanto? No. Am no I, um, we, we really don't go into much detail about Woburn at all in the book. Okay. Uh, because uh, Civil Action did that very well. Um, and no, GE and Monsanto dealt with a, uh, chiefly with a one specific uh, chemical, PCBs, uh, an insulating uh, chemical used in electrical equipment, and um, in Pittsfield, where we focused on uh. General Electric, uh, operated there for many years, and uh, it is pervasive in the Housatonic River, which runs through the city, and in the, the ground of um, many of the homes there, and um, there is wide evidence that PCBs cause a variety of serious illnesses, including um, uh, mental uh, retardation and um, cancer, and uh, in fact, the cancer rates in, in uh, Pittsfield are rather high. And um, we don't really know the extent of uh, of how the children's uh, mental abilities are suffering because, uh, while the state of Massachusetts wanted to study it, uh, privacy laws prevented that. But uh, PCBs were banned in the 70s. They they are so ubiquitous. Um, all over America, that most children, if you tested their umbilical cord, would have PCBs. They, these are newborns, so the mothers have PCBs inside their bodies, even though the mothers are were born after PCBs were banned. Yeah. So this stuff lasts forever and passes from the parents, including the fathers, into the newborns, and then case with autism as well as the case with cancer and a lot and the birth defects in, in some cases. Now, if you don't mind my going back to uh, the uh, GE and Monsanto uh, story for a moment, because that was one of my favorite portions of your book, uh, didn't you mention something about there being documents that were marked confidential, read and destroy? Oh, yes. Um we, we found this uh, not just for GE and Monsanto, but almost all the uh, cases we, we looked into. Uh, Dow? Dow and DuPont. Uh, Dow with... Um, I'll tell you a story about Dow. They had a, a chemical called chlorpyrifos, uh, which is uh, formulated into a number of pesticides, including one called Durzban, uh, which, which was... Uh, banned in household uses uh, a few years ago, but not for uh, agriculture. But uh, we were contacted by the lawyer for a family in Indiana who told us about a, uh, 
the, how the children of those families, after moving into a new apartment that had been sprayed with Durzban, uh, became, well, they went in there, bright, healthy young children, and within years were mentally oh, retarded. Yeah, right. Oh, my. And um, uh, Dow, um, which made these, uh, had received hundreds of complaints about Durzban of similar nature, and the EPA uh, found that they had hidden those complaints, failed to report them as they should, uh, and they were fined, but, you know, a fine for a huge multi national corporation really doesn't mean much. Well, I, I looked at your, your website, which is www.poisonedprofits.com, and I read stories of the victims, and I just started crying. And yes. Just like the story you just told. Yeah, the, the children are, 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 they have an IQ of 44. Those, yeah, well, one of them does. That would, Terry, that's, that's why we... We focused on children. I mean, the toxification of the environment affects all of us. Uh, but people tend to not to worry about that. Uh, but they have to worry about children, especially their children. We figured this might get their attention. Absolutely. And we will uh, join you again when we come back from break. Thank you to our sponsor, Enzymedica, and we'll talk to you in a couple of minutes. A fresh look at today's health. Voice America Health & Wellness. More and more parents of children affected by autism are discovering enzyme therapy as an important part of their treatment program. Digestive enzymes help to break down the foods which may enhance nutrient absorption. Used therapeutically, enzymes can also support the immune system to break down pathogens such as viruses, fungal forms, and bacteria. Enzyme Medica formulates the highest quality of enzyme supplements to address a wide variety of issues. Lacto, a broad-spectrum digestive enzyme focusing on the complete digestion of milk proteins. Gluten Ease, high in DPP-4 activity, known for its ability to help break down gluten. And Virus Stop, an enzyme formulated to assist in the body eliminating pathogens. Enzyme Medica provides the purest enzyme products, free of fillers, anything artificial, and of all common allergens. We are dedicated to education and helping you find the best products for your children. Learn more today at www.enzymemedica.com. If you've tried everything on the market and can't seem to get the radiant results you want from your skincare routine, it's time you stop shopping and start listening. Skin Health Today will help you take charge and start making smart choices for a lifetime of radiant skin and positive self-image. Join host Celeste Hilling and her esteemed panel of experts every Wednesday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern Time for Skin Health Today on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Inside all of us lives a warrior. We win battles with our careers, our finances, our children, our pets. It's time that the warrior within wins the battles with our own being. Modern-day Renaissance man Ori Hoffmeckler dispels eating urban legends and fitness myths in Voice America Network's The Warrior Within, your guide to nutrition, energy, sex, and survival. Ori sets the record straight and will help you become leaner and healthier for a lifetime. The Warrior Within broadcasts 
live every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Tune in for your guide to nutrition, energy, sex, and survival. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. Welcome back to Autism One, a conversation of hope with Terry Aranga. If you have a question or comment, call us toll-free at 866-472-5792. Now back to the program. Here's Terry. Thank you for joining us. We're back with Philip and Alice Shabakov and Mark and Elise Blacksall talking about a very important book entitled Poisoned Prophets, The Toxic Assault on Our Children. Today is the release date, August 12th. And Philip was, <clears throat> excuse me, before we went to break, Philip was talking about how focusing on children would really get everybody's uh, attention. We really do have a responsibility to uh, children, future generations, to provide a safe and uh, clean, non-toxic environment. This is affecting uh, children. Uh, this is affecting children even prenatally. But it's also affecting adults too. Uh, isn't it, uh, Philip and Mark, isn't this also affecting adults, say, in the workplace? Uh, well, uh, even more. Even more. You, If you are a child and are exposed to a, a toxic, it's possible that it will change your cellular code and later in life you'll experience, let's say, Alzheimer's or prostate cancer. So you can be exposed as a child, and it's possible that the shocking rates of increase in breast cancer and Alzheimer's may be related to that. But it is true that there is a high incidence of toxics-related disease among adults, particularly in the workplace, uh, where workers are exposed to higher concentrations of these very dangerous products. Uh, the point we make in Poison Profits is that um, children are a lot more vulnerable. That uh, we, The thing we heard again and again was that children are not little adults. So, uh, particularly, particularly in utero, uh, they're extraordinarily vulnerable. A single molecule uh, hitting a, an embryo at the wrong time could uh, pattern the child for disease later in life. Um, so, uh, yes, yes, Terry, uh, we all are at risk from these things, but children are most at risk. Absolutely. Now, some pe- I'm going to address this question to Mark. Some people uh, try to make a genetics argument and uh, blame this on genetics. We know that it's impossible to have a genetic epidemic and that this is a true epidemic, but some people will always ask, um, well, why do some children end up being diagnosed with autism and not others since, you know, toxic exposures are so widespread. And, Mark, you co-authored the paper Autism and Environmental Genomics with Dr. Martha Herbert, who was a scientific advisor for Poison Profits, along with uh, other co-authors on the paper. Would you please explain to our listeners what the concept of gene-environment interaction is? Well, I'll do my best, Terry, in a short period of time. I mean, I guess I would... uh, Say it briefly by setting up two two ends of the spectrum. So on the one hand, there are there is such a thing as a strictly inherited disorder or disease. You know, an example of that is um, sickle cell anemia, where you have uh, uh, a gene that is carried by both parents, 
uh, it's a recessive gene, and, and when two people who carry the same gene pass on uh, their genes to, the, to their child, uh, the child can be uh, afflicted with the, the disease, in this case, sickle cell anemia, when neither of their parents uh, have the disease. At the other extreme, you have, you know, obviously purely environmental exposures. If someone were to drink a bottle of mercuric chloride, you know, they, they, they die a painful death, um, and that's pretty much, uh, you know, a, a, an environmental, a purely environmental exposure. Almost everything that's interesting in diseases is, is somewhere in between, uh, even diseases that we call highly genetic, something like a Down syndrome. Obviously, the parents don't have the Down, Down syndrome. There's something wrong with the, uh, the 21st chromosome that's passed to the child, um, and there's uh, almost certainly some kind of environmental risk factor of vulnerability uh, in, in the mother that, that uh, passes that on. In, in, and as we know, you know older, uh, older mothers are at greater risk of having a Down syndrome child, so there's an environmental effect, even in something there that's very strongly genetically determined. For the vast range of human disease, we've had scientists working for decades now trying to find the genetic causes of disease, and that search has been very, very frustrating because it's very difficult to find uh, you know, a, a clear causal effect between genes and, and many diseases. There are certainly some genes that, that increase your risk of having certain kinds of diseases. Breast cancer is one. Uh, Alzheimer's is another. Um, but... You know, in almost every case of a disease that you look at, uh, there's no there's no straight line from the gene to the disease. Uh, and in many environmental risk factors, you have the same issue. Uh, you can expose a child, one child, to a, you know, a certain toxin, and the child will survive the exposure just fine. And you could uh, expose another child, uh, and and they'll end up with you know with a, a long lasting uh, disease or disability. Um, so, you know, in, in, in the case of a child that's vulnerable, that has a genetic makeup vulnerable, if they don't have the exposure at a certain point of time or at a certain concentration, they'll be healthy just like uh, the rest of the population. But it's that combination of a genetic vulnerability and then the exposure to whatever, whatever risk factor, whatever toxin or environmental uh, 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 issue that the child faces, it's that combination that produces disease. And I think, you know, for the vast majority of the population that uh, Philip and Alice are talking about, um, you know, we're, we're talking about gene-environment interactions, and, and that's one of the reasons it's proven so difficult uh, to get to the root of, of all these awful problems because it's very, very complicated. Genes and environmental toxins can combine in many, many ways, and it's difficult to trace uh, uh, simple uh, causation ideas when you have that kind of complexity. So, a mantra we heard repeatedly from uh, scientists was that the genes load the gun, but the environment pulls the trigger. That's a very good analogy. And just so, just because there's a genetic predisposition, that's no excuse to expose people to toxins. And at some point. Uh, I think what Mark was saying, it's not a genetic predisposition, but it could be a genetic vulnerability. Okay. Okay. Yep, fair enough. <laughs> I, I think that's very important, Alice, because I think the, the notion that there's a predisposition is another way of blaming the victim. Yes. If your genes were faulty 
and therefore you were, you know, you were susceptible because of something that's innate to you. You know, it, it, all of the people that exist on the world exist because their parents and their ancestors survived every threat that the environment and humanity and and and, uh, and hostile predators threw at them. We are all survivors. Our genes are all survivors of a long, you know, a multi-generational process of, of selection. Uh, it's, we're, all of our genes are tough. They're battle-tested. And, and, and to suggest that we are somehow predisposed to be, to be defective as, you know, as genetic material, uh, it completely turns the question around in the wrong direction. You know, the question is, we have this very fit generation, the, all these survivors, all these um, genes that have made it through centuries. What is it now? That's causing this explosion in chronic illness. You know, it, it's not the defects in the genes. It's not the predisposition of the individual to the disorder. It's the change in the environment that is exposing all of these normal variants, these in fact very healthy variants of genetic material, uh, to new challenges that they've never had to deal with before. Wow, Mark. Well said. Beautifully said. <laughs> well, Mark, people even try to deny that. There even is an autism epidemic saying that it's just better diagnosis, change in diagnosis, or population shift. But you, who've written some very important papers in the Mind Institute, for example, have ruled out those alleged rationales statistically, and uh, you just addressed that on a logical level, it makes sense that with the increased number and combinations of chemicals, uh, many of which have never been tested, uh, the increased use of the chemicals and the increased pollution, that there'd be an increase in illness. So can you tell us a bit about uh, how uh, you looked at the time trends, you looked at the statistics, and it's not, it's, first of all, you can't have a genetic epidemic, but that it's not better diagnosis or change in diagnosis or population shift? Well, sure, Terry. I, mean, I, I think the, um, you know, the statistics that Philip pointed out at the beginning are, are the real concern here, and anyone who deals with those facts as an objective and responsible citizen, a parent, you know, a, a regulator or a grandparent, anyone who looks at, the, at these numbers would say, oh, my God, something's wrong. So uh, you know, for anyone who has an interest to prevent action or to uh, cast uncertainty and doubt on the urgency of doing something has an interest in casting doubt on the fact that there's a problem at all. So uh, we have uh, pervasive in our society, in the media, you know, among people who call themselves scientists, these purveyors of doubt and denial who argue that, well, you know, when we see a 10, 15, 20-fold increase in autism in, you know, in, a, in a period of 10, 15, 20 years, oh, that, that can't be true. You know, there must be a better diagnosing. That's also with the other diseases that we looked into, like testicular cancer is amazingly on the rise, and the doubters will say it's all just better diagnosis. And I guess all I would say to that, Terry, is the burden of proof is on the people that would, that would argue that we should deny the facts. And, and I, I, I don't want to, I think Alice's point of testicular cancer is very important. It's hard to miss testicular cancer. I know more about autism because I've spent time on it, and I can tell you, you know, parents don't miss autism. This is not something that you say, oh, gosh, Johnny isn't speaking, and I didn't realize for 30 years that he was autistic. You know, these are diagnoses that just jump out at you. I've, I've 
talk to some uh, specialists in, in diagnosis, and anyone in the field of autism will tell you, you know, how long does it take you to figure out a child's autistic? Just about 30 seconds when they walk in the room. Mm-hmm. This is not a complicated problem to diagnose. And then there are gradations as to whether or not you have PDD autistic disorder or PDD not otherwise specified or whether, in fact, you know, there's a, you know, a, a, a more functional variant like Asperger's where language is attacked. There are distinctions in terms of the way kids present. But these are not difficult to uh, to sort out. So the burden, and there is no evidence, Terry, that there is better diagnosis. That's, that's the long and short of it. And, and persist in getting these messages out there and, and these claims. They're just not true. We're on this when we come back to the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Opinions, options, answers. Voice America Health and Wellness. More and more parents of children affected by autism are discovering enzyme therapy as an important part of their treatment program. Digestive enzymes help to break down the foods which may enhance nutrient absorption. Used therapeutically, enzymes can also support the immune system to break down pathogens such as viruses, fungal forms, and bacteria. Enzyme Medica formulates the highest quality of enzyme supplements to address a wide variety of issues. Lacto, a broad-spectrum digestive enzyme focusing on the complete digestion of milk proteins. Gluten Ease, high in DPP-4 activity, known for its ability to help break down gluten. And Virus Stop, an enzyme formulated to assist in the body eliminating pathogens. Enzyme Medica provides the purest enzyme products, free of fillers, anything artificial, and of all common allergens. We are dedicated to education and helping you find the best products for your children. Learn more today at www.enzymemedica.com. Tune in on Thursdays at 9 a.m. Pacific Standard Time for Healing the Grieving Heart, the program that takes you on a journey through grief after the death of a child. Join Dr. Gloria Horsley, marriage and family therapist and bereaved parent, while she interviews and discusses with other bereaved parents and siblings how they have coped with the death of a child and gone on to create and realize new dreams. So tune in Thursdays at 9 a.m. Pacific Standard Time for Healing the Grieving Heart with Dr. Gloria Horsley, right here on Voice America Health & Wellness. Holistic living is nutrition for not just your body, but your mind and your soul. Holistic nutrition goes far beyond the foods that we eat or the supplements that we take. Discover natural means to heal your body and regain your innate healing powers. That's Holistic Living with Tina Marie Jones on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel, live every Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern. Tune in for your weekly dose of good holistic living. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. Welcome back to Autism One, a conversation of hope with Terry Aranga. If you have a question or comment, call us toll-free at 866-472-5792. Now back to the program, here's Terry. Welcome back. We're talking about the book, Poison Prophets, The Toxic Assault on Our Children, with authors Philip and Alice Shabakov. And uh, when before we went to break, Mark Blacksall 
was talking. Mark has written papers, and we were talking uh, about the purveyors of doubt and denial. Uh, good phraseology there, Mark. Uh, let's talk now with Alice. I really like this quote on page 151 of your book. Quote, yet most of the energy industry, companies such as ExxonMobil, which earned a world record $40.6 billion in profits in 2007, continues to deny that its emissions contribute significantly to global warming or even that there is a threat from global warming. Okay, Terry, I'm going to punt that to Philip, who covered that for the New York Times for 14 years before his editor said, we don't want to hear about that anymore. Well, I, I thought that sounded a lot like what happens with autism, in my opinion, with the powers that be saying that they don't need to take positive action because there isn't even a problem. So, Philip? Yeah. Terry, I wrote my first story on global warming for the Times in 1979, and the Times held on to it for uh, three months and then put it on page 48 of the Saturday paper, which is about as deep as the story can be buried mm. in the Times. Um, nobody took it seriously, and for 30 years, uh, until the past couple of years, it has not been taken seriously enough to uh, to elicit a political response. Uh, one of the reasons is that um, this doing something about global warming would interfere with the profits of corporations like Exxon Mobil, uh, because fossil fuels such as oil are a the major contributor to it. And industry has developed a whole new, well, corporations have developed a whole new industry called manufacturing doubt. They pay scientists, public relations companies, advertising companies, lawyers, to challenge any scientific evidence that comes out showing that there's a problem. It was a, a technique first pioneered by the tobacco industry uh, to uh, combat science showing that uh, smoke uh, caused cancer, and now it has been taken up by other polluting industries. And, you know, they have, uh, they have people that uh, do nothing but go around uh, making up uh, stories that contradict accurate science information. And uh, it's, it's one of the reasons we haven't been able to solve this problem of toxics in the environment and, and the health of our children, because honest scientific information and honest scientists are challenged by bogus uh, information and lawsuits and publicity by uh, the polluters. Right, and, and I, uh, I know in the case of autism, it seems like the, uh, the other side, uh, the, uh, the dark side of the force, will do whatever is in their power to run up the bills for the people who are trying to uh, advocate for the kids. Well, that's right, and uh, we, we ran into a lot of families who uh, try to uh, get justice from the corporations that harm their kids. But you know, these are these are families often poor, running up against the resources of multi-billion-dollar corporations. And often, what happens is that the families will settle for a pittance, and but with the promise that they will not say anything about the settlement and the proviso that they will not. The companies do not have to admit they did anything wrong. Well, I really like that uh, term, manu 
manufacturing doubt. You said that's an industry now? It's, it's a, it's, yeah. Well, Alice, uh, how much money goes into that industry oh, now? Oh, I don't know, but it, it covers science. Um, and think about all the lawyers and what their fees are. Um, they've got the, the biggest public relations companies in the world working against the, anybody who tries to bring up accurate information about the toxins in this world. Now, um, maybe or maybe not, um, sometimes or sometimes not, on such a level of malfeasance, there was another quote in your book that I really liked, and it said, uh, it was very eloquently stated, it's on page 92, the dominance of psychoanalytical, behavioral, and pharmacological approaches to illness have abrogated any major attempts to look for food or chemical triggers for their patients' illnesses, conclude doctors Nicholas Ashford and Claudia Miller, experts in understanding multiple chemical sensitivities. Do you think that this kind of mindset also plays into the agenda of big special interest groups? Do you think it's, yes, it's coincidental or, or on purpose? We, the fact is that if you present a disease, nobody gets rich from that. But if you have a disease uh, that you pretend you can cure in some way, that becomes a very profitable business. So I think the, that's why we've turned all these problems on their head, and it makes money for everybody involved. Mark, we will also often hear um, of the, as we said earlier, the search for a genetic cause, and we talked about this at length a few minutes ago. Um, we know that autism is actually a whole body disorder affecting many of the body's systems. But there are all these people looking for the genetic cause. Do you think that this mindset, either uh, coincidentally or on purpose, also plays into the agenda of big special interest groups? Well, I do, Terry. And I think it's subtle in the case of genetics in some ways because, you know, one of the great Strides of modern science has been the sequencing of the human genome, and you know there was a great deal of enthusiasm, uh, and continues to be a great deal of enthusiasm that you know, with all of this information that we have about the code that drives our biology, that there must be you know wonderful new opportunities to uh, to understand disease and to treat disease, um, and. But in, in terms of this, the practical reality of what the knowledge of the genome gives us, at its most optimistic, it gives us targets for new for new drugs, for new pharmaceutical products, and um, and I and it's one of the reasons that, particularly in the '90s, a lot of these the stock prices of pharmaceutical companies did very well, is because the promise of the knowledge of the genome was the promise of lots of new new drugs. Uh, and based on the understanding of human biology, um, the, the problem has been is that even though there has been this explosion in knowledge, it's been very difficult to convert this knowledge into anything that helps people. Um, and uh, and, and uh, but at the same time, the commercial opportunity, the profit opportunity, uh, to somehow uh, generate funds and increase stock prices. Uh, to invest behind the drugs that, that the genetic, uh, you know, the sequencing of the human genome uh, offers us, that's a, a big promise. So I think there is a large constituency out there 
Blackfall on the line. Oh, excellent. Hi. I just thought I would um, come in and, and comment um, because one of the things that we're doing with our daughter, Michaela, um, who was diagnosed at two years, nine months um, with um, pervasive development disorder slash autism, she's now 12 years old, um, one of the things that we've uh, sort of <laughs> pioneered in some ways is the idea of the the special diet. I spend probably um, a good portion of my day just thinking about, um, along with all of her doctors and specialists, about what she eats. Because everything that started out as a disorder, such as the digestive tract and, and all the foul and horrible things I won't go into that we were dealing with, um, have been turned around with a casein gluten-free diet. Um, and casein, of course, um, is when you eliminate dairy products, and and gluten is the wheat products. And we even have Michaela, I would say, on the Cadillac of special diets, which is the specific carbohydrate diet, where you don't have her eat anything that is above a monosaccharide, which is a single sugar. Um, so anything that's a, a disaccharide or a polysaccharide we've eliminated from her diet. And just so people understand what that means, um, she only gets uh, honey, not sugar, because table sugar, of course, is a disaccharide, and her body cannot digest that. So if she eats um, a starch such as potato or rice, um, which granted is on a casein gluten-free diet, in her case, that just sits around in her stomach and uh, just rots, and therefore parasites can come in and take over. So um, what you want to do is is keep that, you know, sort of gut-brain relationship intact by feeding her a diet of foods that will continue to help her be healthy. Well, Lisa, thank you so much for letting our listeners know about that. Diet is uh, the foundation of biomedical treatment, biomedical intervention for 
autism spectrum disorders. And um, when we come back from break, I want to ask you uh, another question about uh, what you've seen with your daughter, Michaela. So for listeners, uh, please join us when we come back from break. And uh, thank you to our sponsor, Enzymedica, and we'll be talking with you shortly. Learn more. Live better. Voice America Health and Wellness. More and more parents of children affected by autism are discovering enzyme therapy as an important part of their treatment program. Digestive enzymes help to break down the foods which may enhance nutrient absorption. Used therapeutically, enzymes can also support the immune system to break down pathogens such as viruses, fungal forms, and bacteria. Enzyme Medica formulates the highest quality of enzyme supplements to address a wide variety of issues. Lacto, a broad-spectrum digestive enzyme focusing on the complete digestion of milk proteins. Gluten Ease, high in DPP-4 activity, known for its ability to help break down gluten. And Virus Stop, an enzyme formulated to assist in the body eliminating pathogens. Enzyme Medica provides the purest enzyme products, free of fillers, anything artificial, and of all common allergens. We are dedicated to education and helping you find the best products for your children. Learn more today at www.enzymemedica.com. Jack LaLane.com presents Jack LaLane Live on the Voice America Health and Wellness Radio Network. Each week, Jack is joined by Elaine LaLane and his nephew, bodybuilder, kinesiologist, and personal trainer, Chris LaLane, to answer your questions and help you overcome your fitness roadblocks. That's three times the diet and fitness know-how. Three times the entertainment. Tune in every Monday morning at 9 a.m. Pacific to Jack LaLane Live on the Voice America Health and Wellness Radio Network. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. Welcome back to Autism One, a conversation of hope with Terry Aranga. If you have a question or comment, call us toll free at 866 472 5792. Now back to the program. Here's Terry. Welcome back. And very quickly, I just want to let our listeners know that um, we had had a technical glitch, and that's why we hadn't spoken to Elise earlier. And I'm just thrilled that Elise uh, was able to be patched in. And um, in this last segment of the portion, uh, I'd like to address a question to you, Elise, and then we'll go on to uh, Philip and Alice talking about solutions for the future and uh, talk with you and Mark as well about that. So in a practical sense, Elise, what have you seen in your daughter, Michaela, that evidences her being affected by toxins, particularly toxic exposures that were preventable? Well, basically, um, what we saw first were these digestive disorders. And um, she actually started losing pigment in her skin which to this day has still not rectified itself. And um, that is a classic uh, example of um, gluten uh, poison, <laughs> if you will, because basically if you eat something that you can't digest, then that becomes a poison in your body. And, um, of course, no one picked up on it, and I didn't find out that that was a classic uh, symptom until two years afterwards. So, so clearly we're, we're all a little behind on 
what can happen, or we were, not anymore, I don't think, um, when we, we, when we can't break down our food. And that's why, you know, these digestive enzymes and so forth, um, why we're seeing a plethora of them on the market is because our children really need them. They can't break down pizza. They can't, uh, break down ice cream. Um, and so they're eating these foods that for them become poisons. Um, so that's the first part, um, is, is the diet. Um, and then secondly, um, I would say that, um, the next thing that we saw were classic symptoms of, of mercury poisoning, um, heavy metal poisoning, um, because we've been, um, chelating, Michaela, of toxic metals, um, for 10 years, so a decade, and we are still seeing mercury, lead, arsenic, cadmium, tin, and aluminum come out of her when we send uh, urine samples off to um, some of the big research labs and get the, the charts back that tell us how much is, is in her body. Um, and I'm certainly not going to Whole Foods and buying mercury and feeding it to her, so you have to wonder how did it get there in the first place. And I won't go into that because that's very controversial and not what we're talking about. But basically, um, th- those those metals are coming in through environmental um, exposures, such as through um, vaccines, uh, through the air, through the water, through the food that we eat. And it's exactly what Poison Prophets is talking about, um, that our world is a very toxic place. And... Um, so, as, a, as an example, um, when Michaela was um, two years old, she touched a light bulb that someone had turned off but not switched off, and she looked at her hand, and she's two years old, by the way, and she just shook it off. And the next day, I took her to the pool, and I realized that she had a second-degree burn on her hand. So you have this huge... Um, uh, you know, a level of, of pain tolerance that if that had been my older child, we would have been at the hospital. She would have been wailing. But Michaela just blew it off. It just didn't even save her. Um, and and you, one has to admit that's just uncalled for <laughs> as far as, you know, a child being able to tolerate that much pain. Um, and then the third one was that she couldn't sleep. Um, I was up from 2 to 6 in the, in the morning, um, so that's 2 a.m. to 6 a.m., um, and she would just sit there and sing and hum um, because she couldn't sleep. And she's such a dear child that she didn't want to – she didn't have a fit or anything, but she just didn't know what to do with herself, and she was trying to make the pain go away. And that was all um, because we figured out to use anti-inflammatories because, of course, when your body is affected by all these toxins um, from uh, chemicals and from heavy metals, um, your immune system goes awry. And so you need anti-inflammatories to, you know, settle things down. And once we were able to give those to Michaela, um, but within 48 hours, she slept through the night, and she has slept through the night ever since. She's a very good sleeper. But until that process got interrupted, of course, it's just um, it's never-ending. And um, so you, you really have to be on top of, um, you know, what's happening in that regard. 
also she had asthma. She developed asthma, and um, and that was horrible as well, as we all know, because your child comes in in the morning and they're wheezing and they can't breathe. And there's really nothing worse than that on an immediate level um, when your child can't breathe. And so, of course, we went to um, the the doctors to see what we could do about that. And um, we actually, the thing that has um, kept her asthma-free um, was we started doing hyperbaric oxygen with her, um, which is called HBOT, H-B-O-T. And we actually have a tank in our house, and I go in with her for an hour, five days a week, and um, I'm, it has done incredible things for me as well. Um, if you talk to any adults that have done hyperbaric oxygen, the amount of energy that you have um, increases um, and to better to battle all these things that's happening with your children. Um, and then lastly, the auditory processing. Um, when we started, um, if you asked Michaela um, to get dressed in the morning and you gave her a pink outfit and a red outfit and you said, honey, which one would you like? Well, at that point she was only saying a few words. And you would wait 90 seconds. You'd already be on the next thing, and she'd say red. And you'd say, and you'd think, why is this child saying red? And then you'd realize that she's answering your question. It's just that it was 90 seconds later. Because obviously most children, when you ask them a question, do they want pink or red, they're going to answer you immediately. So the auditory processing has, you know, is also deficient and an issue. So these are all, everything that I've mentioned, dietary, auditory processing, asthma, um, uh, let's see, uh, the high pain tolerance, all of all the anti-inflammatory um, issues that cause you not to sleep. These are all things that are part and parcel of heavy metal um, poisoning and oh. environmental poisons and toxins. Elise, wow. Thank you for providing <laughs> all that information and for tying it all together Thank with you. the issues that we're talking about. Fantastic. Well, uh, you've already given us some solutions, and I want to use these last remaining uh, minutes to uh, to talk to Philip and Alice about the solutions that they suggest in their book. You say technology pushed by market and citizen demand has made some progress creating less toxic processes and products, and you cite that parents have the power to move these advances further and further. This is so empowering. How do we proactively move forward to protect our families immediately and work for justice and reform? What question? Um, well, first of all, let me say uh, that Mark and Elise are, are good examples, and I hope our book reflects how much we admire what they've done. Uh, you know, one of the solutions is smart and, and attentive uh, parents and consumers and Mark and Elise certainly become that. They need to learn, um, all Americans, parents and grandparents need to learn what their children are exposed to and, and what it's doing to them. And they can be more careful in their home and around their home and in their schools. And by, by trying to remove those things, they're going to harm them. Uh, but there is only so much that, uh, that parents can do. I mean, we... We can't control the air and the water. We can't control all the products that are out there. So we have to we have to act as only as parents and consumers, but as citizens and voters, because um, we need to we need a government that will act to protect us from what what the polluters are doing. And in recent years, um, 
our government has pretty much abandoned its duty to protect our children uh, against environmental hazards. So, um, you know, we need to we need to go out and elect honest, intelligent people who will curb uh, the excesses of the of the marketplace and uh, the abuses of corporations. And uh, it's it's you know we need to take back our government. And unless that happens, uh, uh, we're going to be fighting an uphill battle to protect our kids. And for more information about uh, solutions that uh, the Shabakov propose, you can um, start at page 236 in this excellent and important book, Poisoned Prophets, The Toxic Assault on Our Children, by Philip and Alice Shabakov. And again, the website is www.poisonedprophets.com. Philip and Alice, thank you for this very important resource, and Mark and Elise, for your continued work for the kids. Thank you to all of you. Thanks, Terry. And next week, Tuesday, August 19th, my guest will be Nurse Sonia Hintz when we'll be discussing biomedical intervention, recovery, and lab tests. Thank you to our listeners for tuning in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. would like to thank you for listening to Autism One, a conversation of hope. To contact Terry or get more information, visit AutismOne.org. Tune in next Tuesday for another hour of education and conversation on Autism One, a conversation of hope with Terry Aranga.